I put some photos. You just see the photos I put into the Facebook Where? page? Ah. No, I didn't. From earlier, from earlier today, <laughs> like a few hours I, ago. I, no, I haven't been in there. What is it? I've had about half a jug of sangria. <laughs> really? Yes. Hey everybody, welcome to season two, episode 20 of Belgarian and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgarian series of books with David Eddings. This season, we're reading book two, Queen of Sorcery. And today we're diving into chapter 19. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I am from the Goddess Kindled Universe. And um, I'm here with my podcast partner, Hey guys, it's Alicia Seymour. I am, I'm going to try this. Yeah. I am Alicia Seymour, fantasy author and inspiring writer. How does that sound? Oh, I like that. Inspiring. <laughs> inspiring writer. Yeah, not uh, aspiring, inspiring you because you are. Yep. That's what I, well, that's my goal. Anything I write is to inspire people. So I like it a lot. Cool. So yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, happy new year. Yes. New year's day. Oh new year's goodness. day of, doesn't feel like it to me. <laughs> That's because but... you're, when you're a mum and you've got small people around the house, <laughs> it also sort of bleeds into every day. It bleeds does. Into the next. Yes, it does. <clears throat> I, I was, Christmas day was still kind of like, is it really Christmas today? I don't know. I got, we, sure got about to, it. we got to, um, it was it was Monday, and uh, something was happening, and I and I and I said to oh that's right because we have a I have a meeting on Monday nights, yeah, like a, a workshop that I run, and Hanukkah co-hosts it with me, my partner co-hosts it with mm -hmm. me, and we were, she said something, and I said, what day what day is it? <laughs> I thought it was like Saturday, <laughs> it was already really? Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. so time. Especially when you work from home, you can lose track of the days too. Yeah, so easily. Uh, and right. and when you when we because of the jobs we do, it's not mm -hmm. like it's not like you have something every day that marks the calendar where you've got to look at the calendar and check your schedule. Right. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And especially when we're lost in dreamland anyways, it's <laughs> in our stories. It's like, exactly. huh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Come out of it and like, wait, what time is it? What day yeah. am I on? Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's good. Yes, yes, yes. All of that. Uh -huh. Let's get into Paul Garris Cup. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you go first because you are, you're in the right mood for news. <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> okay, so my cup, my potion is citrus sweet with a ruby red bite. That's more of a nibble. And I'm enjoying this festive period so much, so much. I've had half about half a jug of sangria uh, tonight mm -hmm. over at our friend's house. <laughs> if you if you follow us on Facebook, the Facebook page, I put a photo in there of me drinking wine. Cheers to you in front of the fireplace. And oh, so nice. And um, it's just, oh, 
I feel wonderful. I'm having a lovely, relaxed time. There's not lots of running around anywhere. You know, I've had, mm-hmm. we had our best friends over for um, Christmas Eve dinner and just us on Christmas Day, nobody else. And then Boxing Day, uh, we had um, my girlfriend's parents over for dinner and that was lovely. And it was just lots of like relaxed, um, you know, I got to cook. That's my thing. That's my happy place. I get to cook and feed people and make sure everyone feels good and just be home and bare feet. And anyway, so lovely. And then over here, like that just sort of has flowed through now to we're at New Year's Day. And over here in the Netherlands, fireworks is like a, a huge thing. As everybody has these fireworks going off all over the place. So like you can, we sit in the lounge room with our huge, looking through our huge window at fireworks going off in the village everywhere. Or we'll walk out into the backyard and just look around and the sky is full of, um, you know, these beautiful bangs and sparks and it goes mm-hmm. on for like an, a full hour or two after midnight and it starts earlier for the for the kids like it starts around 8 p.m just random as soon as the night falls and it's been so i don't know magical like uh, sitting tonight drinking my sangria looking out the window and the the mist just closed in through the forest because our friend's house is like in the forest and so what you know the mist just comes in across the um paddock and through the trees until you just see the uh the bare bones of these winter trees through the mist and you know the candles glowing and i'm glowing because you know sangria and it's just gorgeous so that's like that's just a perfect um it's just a beautiful beautiful happy I'm having a great time. And so did I put anything else? Yeah, it's just, I feel really good and hopeful mm-hmm. and uh, excited. Like I've got this excited feeling, this lovely, deep, deep, grounded kind of excited feeling, like not a detached, um, um, like crazy kind of um how do I describe that? Like, you know how you, how you can get in like a whirlwind and it's really exciting, but there's kind of no purpose and it feels really fragmented and like, you're not yeah. quite sure what to do with it. It just feels really big and busy. It doesn't right. feel like that. It feels like, it feels like that mist that's kind of just closing in. So mm-hmm. like I could, I was describing it to my friend. He's like, who's Dutch and has lived here forever. <laughs> about why he said why do you find it so beautiful like to him it's something that's been there for his whole life i'm from queensland and things like mist and snow and that's like otherworldly totally otherworldly to me yeah so i was sort of describing i was trying to explain it's like i could step through into the mist and i don't know what's on the other side i don't know what's in that step that i might take it feels like I could step into another world and every step feels like that. And it's magical. It's like magical around me. So, yeah. you know, I, and I can, 
you know, people talk about vision boards and I have such an abhorrence for, to like things like new, new year's resolutions and vision boards and rah, 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 rah. Cause it just feels like hype. And I really mm-hmm. don't like that. But it's like, that's what it feels like inside my body. Like these things are just constructing themselves. And I'm excited. I have this really deep grounded kind of, not excitement it's I think you're coming into alignment with everything it's all starting to just and then you become in the flow and then that's where that sense of it's grounding but it's you're sensing the joy that's it's joy it's the it's joy that's joy. within that you don't have to search for because it's already there it's a deep deep joy it's starting to come out it's this kindling kind of mm-hmm. Yes, that's perfect. I'm I'm feeling incredibly joyful. Yep. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so I can your... just get lost in that. Forget about <laughs> mine. <laughs> oh, I haven't even I was like I ran <laughs> in the door from our friend's place. I read the chapter on my phone in the car wow. on the way home. <laughs> and oh, I wow. ran in <laughs> and I threw some pasta puttanesca together, like tins and capers and tutor out of the pantry, cook some pasta, wah, wolfed that yeah. down, ran up the stairs and Hanukkah brought me a cup of tea. So I literally haven't read anything that you put in the sheet. I don't know what's going oh, on. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'll show you. I will share it now. Okay. Uh, I put in my cup uh, as, as a black tea. I don't care for black tea. It's bitter to me. <laughs> it's very bitter. Um, but it's also not so thick that you can't see through it. So uh, I've been feeling a lot of bitterness. Um, my, I think a lot of it is due to my personal space has been non-existent mm-hmm. for almost two weeks. And I've really realized that that is extremely important for me. I am somebody who thrives when I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Um, with nobody else, even as a mother with my children, I love them, but I need every day I need time just for me. And, and time means at least a few hours. Um, and I think that's because I'm a writer and I've realized I'm not somebody who can write if I have people in the house with me, um, mm. which is a challenge as yep. a mother. Yep. Uh, but I've been trying to work around it. Um, but I think that a lot of this too is all connected to the personal spiritual journey of awareness. I am, because I've talked about this before with with awareness, um, I've become more observant. I am very aware of all of the thoughts that I have, of all of the emotions that I have. And I'm realizing that so much, the majority of them are all things that I don't want to have, but yet I've been living with them just as part of my normalness and this is experiences too not just mm. thoughts and emotions um, mm-hmm. experiences that I have that I don't want to mm-hmm. and so it's really <clears throat> been this kind of finding a balance of staying in that awareness without judging myself yep um, and knowing that this is part of it and I, I know it is I studied I don't know if studied is the right word but I've meditated on the readings a lot to know that this is the step that you have to go through to get to that place where you're free from all of it and it's just I'm kind of in that I'm in a transition right now um so 
it's requiring a lot of deep. I've lost it a few times in the last couple of weeks that I'm not proud of myself, but I've also, like I said, try not to judge myself. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I have also like more superficially, I've noticed that I've been putting on weight like pretty quickly and I've never been overweight in my life. And I'm starting for the first time to feel a little bit overweight Mm -hmm. and I don't like it. Um, So now I'm getting emotional. Okay, sweetheart. (laughs) Of all the things I just said, when I say talk about gaining weight, I start crying. Come on. Anyways. Did you want to talk about that? We can. No, it's fine. You can leave it. Uh, that's, that's, That's the summary of it all. And the weight gain, and like I said, is just like this surface level thing that I know it doesn't really matter, but well, you know what? That it doesn't feel good. And if you everybody to, knows. If you want to, we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I have thoughts. I I have some. I'm very aware of what's probably causing it because it's not just thing. surface level, baby. Oh yeah, I know that. I know what's causing it isn't surface level. I okay. just mean the actual whether you're skinny or you're fat or or in between doesn't matter. No, You know, it's just your appearance. It seems like a superficial thing, but it's really not because Mm -hmm. of all of the things that feed into it. Yeah. Well, part of it, I mean, I, all I want to eat is like pastas and breads and avocados and nut butters. And I don't, I don't want like the fresh veggies and all that stuff right now. And I haven't for a while. So, I mean, that's not a surprise of like how this is yeah. happened. But that, but that can be a cyclic thing too. Well, I think I'm like TMI, guys. I'm uh, sorry, but I, yeah, I think I'm getting... How long have people been listening to this show? <laughs> TMI is our jam, baby. Right. Well, I think I'm only, I'm about to be 36, but I think I'm already beginning the change that women yeah. go through. That I think I'm going like for a decade. I know. And I, I really think I started within this last year. So I do we think do. that's connected to the weight gain. I think that you're right. And it, well, and it's not, and it's about the way that you're feeling in your body. It starts to feel different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't feel young anymore. I'm starting to feel like I, I have like an older woman's body now. It's well, not a 20 year old anymore. Because you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I held on to it till my early thirties. Yeah, I know, you know? It's, it's, so and, that, like, and that is so important to talk about. That all of these mm-hmm. transitions, all of the re- things that we talk about on this show, all of the transition points and the magical. This is the magical realism stuff. Yeah, the reason yeah, that is. we pull apart these stories and put our own lives in the show, woven into all of the stories that we love is for these reasons to look at ourselves through different lenses and to understand mm-hmm. how friggin' magical our lives are yeah. and we are and how powerful that is. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into the chapter then. Yeah. Let's see what we come up with this time. <laughs> okay. So Garion's view. Yeah. Garion's view. So this chapter, the group is like I'm running now. They're on the run from the legionnaires, soldiers, whoever they are that are have been like tipped off from what's that guy's name that ran Jeebus. Jeebus. 
that ran away and he's like on the way. I don't know. I just envisioned him like yelling as he's running. Like, <laughs> he's on a horse. In, but, oh, <laughs> as he's riding, just yelling out like Sinidra. Um, but then they, you know, they, they do some running about hiding from them. And then they get to the wood of the dryad. Is it dryad or dryad? Dryads. Dryads. Um, and so they get in there and they talk about how the legionnaires won't pass through it because of a treaty mm-hmm. um, that they will never break. And so they're kind of spend some time in there. Garion notices immediately that there's his strange senses about being watched and this kind of stuff from the trees. And then uh, Aunt Paul sends him off to take a bath. And shortly after, Sinidra joins him at the <laughs> pool. And they have... A really great conversation and interaction there. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> okay. So it was a fun chapter. It was a nice shift. Yeah. More into the magical realm of this world, I think. Yep. Yep. Than it has been. So oh, yes. So uh so this next portion of the show that we go into is Wolf's Wisdom. And it's where we you know, go right into the chapter, talk about all of the things. Um, so you lead off, darling. Well, like to me, this this whole first part of the chapter, I would summarize, I'll just say it, and you can add whatever you need to that's important. Okay. But okay. I would just say, like, to me, this whole part is like, okay, they're on the run. Uh, Hetar is communicating with the horses, which is pretty cool. Um, to like give them the heads up of he's reading the minds of those legionnaires horses to be like oh there's a group over here we got to go this way Mm -hmm. so I liked that Um, but then I mean they go and hide and then they do overhear a conversation about the soldiers talking about Sinidra which upsets her yeah and then to me they just get into the wood of the dryads okay so you can add what's important there (laughs) that I might have missed? Um, well, I think uh, uh, probably not much more than what you've said. So there's a, a couple of little things that build into the characters. Like there's a little exchange that Silk and Barrack have that mm, is right. a bit more of their to and fro kind of bantering thing where Barrack says maybe we should have just dropped him off, in, dropped Jeebus off in some isolated place or something. And, you know... Yeah silk sort of bantering you know jabbing him about well you know that or something has a ring of finality and so the barrack just his solution to the problem is just kill the dude and mm-hmm. and silk's just sort of needling needling not disagreeing but just like teasing him about it so there's that camaraderie yeah. that we really like between the two of them so there's a little bit of that and they're sort of teasing each other about our Cherik cousins and our drasnian cousins and so it just gives you uh, little details about the personalities of the different people, which then, you know, sort of gives you a better picture of what of what those countries are like, the people in those countries. And I really like right. that way of world building you know, mm-hmm. through a specific character that gives you a bigger picture of their people in general. Yeah, yeah. I liked that too. That was a good interaction. Yeah, and then... Um, and then the, Garion has a conversation with Hetar, and and I only touch on this because as the as Garion goes through his journey, every now and then he'll have an intimate 
com exchange with one of the other characters. So as he is working out oh, what the hell is going on with everything and the magic of the world and the politics of the world, um, you know, we get to learn about stuff through Garion's eyes and find out what he is ready to ask about or what he is curious about. And so in this instance, he's wondering what it's like in, in Hetar's mind mm. when he communicates with the horses. Right. And I really like this part because um, Hetar can't really say what it's like because he doesn't know what it's like to not have it. So he, right. can't, he can't really say what it's like because there's nothing to compare it to. And all he can sort of say is that there's this kind of inclusiveness mm -hmm. about it where the horses forget that he's not a horse sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I really liked, I really liked that, you know? So. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, as at this point in the story also, our group is, you know, becoming more close knit. Yeah. And so it's kind of a reflection of the group, you know, the group mind. It sort of gives, I think it gives that impression. So Hetar's talking about this, this togetherness and this inclusiveness that he feels in his mind with the horses. And I think that prop, that is a reflection of how Garion's starting to feel about being, you know, being included in this group, that they all have this one purpose. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. I didn't pick that up myself, but after hearing you explain it, it, it makes complete sense. I do notice they're um, getting a lot closer. They're a lot, they can just, you know, be sarcastic with each other and not get so upset or anything like that. Yeah. And even with Sinedra there now, like they have this one, they, they are essentially protecting Sinedra. So like they're, they're running away from everyone who's looking for Sinedra. So you could look at it in both ways. They are hiding Sinedra for their own purposes or they are protecting Sinedra mm -hmm. from people who would do her harm. Right. Isn't that what they've been doing with Garion too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I feel like Garion and Sinedra are going to become very tight knit and eventually be married or or that's the intent <laughs> i don't know that it'll actually ever happen but well uh, well what this it, any, they, they have a little bit, they have a little <laughs> moment in this chapter it's very nice so right. but yes so essentially they're all just you know fleeing fleeing and then they get to um the wood of the dryads but there is a little thing here um so are they in the in the wood when they like go and run and hide in some other trees for a little bit before they okay. get to the wood so before they get to the wood of the dryads they do hide and there's a little exchange with a mergo who is once again trying to manipulate a group of tonidrons for some reason so we mm -hmm. the, the mergo is not identified no one seems to recognize him. Um, although Hetar 
recognizes that he's a Murgo. So that to me says he's not a Murgo that we know. So probably not Asherak or one of the ones that we know from the story because Hetar would know who that was and he's not identified. Okay. Um, and so I don't know that we need to go into all of the politics, but it comes down to the person that the Murgo is talking to, um, the soldier, is of the house of Borun, which is Sinidra's family. Mm-hmm. And the Murgo is, is, is bribing this dude to give him Sinedra rather than take Sinedra to her own family. Like he is being so manipulative and um, tossing enough money around that this guy is going to betray his own family, his own emperor, to give this mer- to give Sinedra to this Murgo to keep her safe in quotation marks. But let's face it, he must know. Like he's he's going to be doing some really convoluted lying to himself in his head to convince himself that it's the safest thing to give Sinedra to the Murgo. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not until after the second bag of gold is tossed at him that he goes, <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's okay. Yeah, you're right. This is the safest way to do it. And so, <laughs> and I mean, that speaks to the politics of uh, the place, the manipulativeness of the Murgos the way that money speaks to Tom Nidrans, it also gives us a chance to see Sinedra at her infuriated best. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling there'll be plenty of those moments to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell us how, so then they, they get through that and um, then they get to the Wood of the Dryads. And so how... You go, you go with this. Yeah, so it's the first one that talks about why they won't be followed uh, because of a treaty is um, Sinidra. She's mm-hmm. telling Garion about it because yes. he's wondering what's going to stop them from coming. And she's kind of like, well, don't, you don't know anything, you know. No. Well, she's uh, very politically savvy, but she's also a little bit of a catty bitch. Right. Um so they, they start making their way through and then we get to a good description of the forest and Garion's reaction to it, which I really enjoyed. Like this, for me, this was fantasy at its best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're wandering through a magical forest. Um, but uh, the description is really pretty. It's like the mossy, uh, cool ground and um it just felt like it was really green and open and light and the trees were really tall. And um, so they spend some time walking um, quietly, but mm. Gary gets really uncomfortable with the silence. So he mm. starts just talking to, to fill it because mm-hmm. he little, we get a little inside his head of how it's too uncomfortable for him. Okay. Yeah. So they're in this 3,000-year-old wood that hasn't been touched for 3,000 years because the Dryads have a treaty with the Baroon family and the Baroon mm-hmm. family are in power and um, they will never break the treaty because the Dryads gave a princess to um, the house of Baroon and she was the mother of the first emperor of the Baroon dynasty. And so 
the dryad strain breeds true through all the females of the Baroon line. And so if the treaty was broken, all the mums and daughters and wives would go back to the dryads. Mm. Okay. So that's how that holds. Yeah. And um, so dryads are wood, uh, forest um, deer birds, fairies, nymphs, protectors, they are of the forest. And um, Queen Xantha is the queen of the dryads and that's where they're heading. Okay. Um, and so then Sanidra, I mean, we kind of come to this conclusion with all that, but she just says it out loud too, that she is a dryad. Yes. Which is a surprise to Garion. Yes. Yeah, she's quite, um, she's, she's very proud of it. You know, I'm a dryad. And what did you think of uh, what Wolf says? Technically, she's right. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> yes. Well, I, what I envision happening, just a quick side note, is that as, I don't know if she's ever actually met the dryads in the wood or not. I guess she, I don't know. But anyways, I feel like she's going to, she's so proud she's a dryad that when she gets there that they're going to kind of be like, you know, who are you to think you're one of us kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Well, yes. Okay. And <laughs> the other thing that I thought, what did you think of the thing that Wolf says about being a monster? Because um, he just, he's, he says, you know, um, Garion's like, she looks human. And Wolf's like, yeah, the dryads are so closely related to humans that there are barely any differences. It's really hard to detect the differences. And that probably explains why they didn't go mad like the other monsters when Torak cracked the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting comment. Because they look so close. Oh, they are so closely. Okay. Because related. biologically, they're closely related. Yes. That's why they didn't go mad. And then Sinedra cracks the shits mm -hmm. and gets all huffy. Monsters. And it's just so perfect. You, know, you can see, yeah. I can just see her in my head tossing her head. Monsters indeed. And behaving like a right little monster. Right. <laughs> That's the ironic. Ir irony yes yeah it's <laughs> perfect the word. It's, it's just perfect mm -hmm. uh, so anyway there's that and so uh, they get into the woods and they talk a little bit about how they should behave when they get into the woods um yeah this reminded me so much of of course um lord of the rings but yeah. when they go into lothlorien yep you know, and it has that same kind of feel like they're being watched everywhere and you have to be really cautious. And then out of nowhere, all these elves mm. just come ready mm. to attack them. You know um, what? It, but yes to the elves coming out. But I felt like it was Lord of the Rings too, but in but Fanghorn. I felt like it was like really old and kind of like the trees talking to each other mm -hmm. around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit of that too. Mm. I think all, all of the woods in Lord of the Rings have a magical <laughs> of course. feel to them, like Mirkwood. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, so you because, go ahead. Because Dernick's saying, well, I thought you said they were gentle to, uh, regarding the dryads. 
And Wolf's like, yeah, well, within reason, it's not a good idea to irritate people who communicate with trees when you're in the middle of their forest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so put your put your axe away. <laughs> We're only allowed to. We'll only have very small fires and only for cooking. Um, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, they go and set up camp, and Wolf um, uh, Pogara is taking the dye out of Sinitra's hair after they've set everything up and she sends Garion off to have a bath. <laughs> and he's all like, he's so pouty and fucking like, hey, where? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you'll find somewhere. Off you go. I do like, I do like the, but aren't you afraid I'll catch cold? <laughs> <laughs> and Paul's like, you're a healthy boy, dear, but a very dirty one. Go bathe. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that was good. So, so we get a good description of him looking for a place and finding it and how cold the water is. And mm-hmm. he spent some time um, trying to get all the way in. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I don't even know how much time he has to actually bathe before. Well, I mean, it seems <laughs> like he has a nice, like it seems like there's quite a long time because he finds the place and then he, debates about whether he should just splash a bit of water on himself and then decides, well, our pole will know. I may as well just do the whole thing and gets into the water, finds this nice place with a waterfall and is having mm-hmm. a lovely time washing himself. And yeah. then St. Edra comes along. Mm-hmm. And she's very casual and standing there just watching him. And yeah. Arian immediately dives to the bottom of the crystal clear <laughs> pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah being the awkward teenage boy yes being a very very shy awkward teenage boy and so he pops up because you know can't stand out of the water forever mm-hmm. and um and Sinatra's standing on the bank looking very cute in a little tunic and laced up sandals all the way to her knees and mm-hmm. loose tumbled hair and right. um, and she's very um, like, Garen's like, go away. And she's, oh, what are you talking about? Don't be silly. And um, she starts to get undressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we learn and told, told Honeth that it's normal that people bathe together all the time. They even do like, what is some type of Olympic type mm-hmm. thing without clothes on? Well, I think that. I'm going to look it up. I'll make it part of our our random fact or something. But I think that the Olympics were originally done nude. Yeah. I think I've heard that before. Yeah. So. Um, and so for her, it's no big deal. She's like, I've seen naked men of all ages. It's like, mm-hmm. you're nothing special to me, right? In her head. Not a big deal, dude. Yeah. And so he he continues to be very nervous and uncomfortable, though. And as she gets in. He has to get out as quickly as he can and try not to look at her. And <laughs> well, he gets out. He's like, turn around. He makes her turn around so she can't see. And he just, she just thinks he's ridiculous, but she does it. And so he gets out and doesn't dry himself, just pulls his clothes on over his wet body. And anyone who's done that knows that Ugh. it's really hard. And it takes a lot longer to do than if you just dried yourself and then put your clothes on. 
It anyway. feels disgusting too. I know. Every time I read this, I'm like, oh, dude, it just feels yucky. He's got his <laughs> clothes on over his wet body and his hair's all streaming and stuff. <sighs> and um, and then he goes to leave. But Sinedra says, no, no, Paul says you have to stay and protect me while I bathe. <laughs> I found that interesting because, I mean, I guess he had some time there already. Mm. But why Aunt Paul would send her after when she knows that he is bathing? Why indeed? <laughs> I feel like she had some intentions there. I think Aunt Paul has always some intentions about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she gets in, you know, he's trying not to look at her and she asks him to bring her the soap. So trying to do that without looking, but he he actually gets a glimpse of her. Oh, yeah, standing naked from the waist up in the pool. Mm-hmm. And then he mm-hmm. quickly shuts his eyes for the whole rest of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So when she's finally done bathing, they get out and sit together and have some conversation. Yeah, it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Like it's this very sweet teenage kind of flirting and... They talk about stuff and she asks him what it's like to be an ordinary person. And, yeah. Um, you know, so Gary is telling her about Feldor's farm and then she gets cross because and accuses him of being in love with Zubret. Mm-hmm. And he's so guileless and, and innocent. He says, yeah, I used to think I was, but, you know, I don't think so anymore. And, and then he asks her about, you know, okay, well, What's it like being an imperial princess, being a very special person? And I just love how she's like, oh, yeah, I sometimes forget mm-hmm. like that I'm an imperial princess when I'm now since I've joined you people. And he's like, oh, yeah, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, not quite. And it's interesting how, you know, you, you feel like, so many who aren't a prince or princess wish that they were, but not realizing how boring of a life it can really be. Yeah, the way that she describes it is all um, rules and, um, you know, having to pay attention to boring meetings and having to always be on and available. And it sounds so restrictive and not fun at all. And I guess I can understand why, I really can understand why if you're in that position, power becomes the outlet, you know, for your creative self almost because you don't have, you're so restricted in every other way. It Mm -hmm. really, it must be one of the only ways that you can be creative in how you wield your power. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think it's also due not only how limited you are on what you can actually do, but when your life is so kind of boring in that sense, you want to find some excitement. And yes. Oh, even, God, if yes. That, even if that means others are going to suffer a little bit for it, you know, you know, if, you go totally. stir crazy. I'm totally on her side with the running away thing. Yeah. I, I couldn't be a princess. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's a lot I'd put up with to, like, 
my, my girlfriend and I, I'm quite open about the fact that I'm a total queen. I am a queen. Bring me the things, <laughs> do the stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I get to, I like, when I like, I am like really like <laughs> too much. <laughs> uh-huh. I can tell I've been too much because there's a look that the pixie kiss on her face. Like, mm-hmm. did you really just say that to me? <laughs> Right. Think, oh shit! I don't know. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I do. I I do get very, very like. Um, I really sit inside that that queen archetype, and I've come, mm-hmm. I've come full spectrum, like from the real shadow place of. Yeah. So it's interesting that I'm talking about we how we how they wield the power in Mm -hmm. that position because the way that I have wielded my power to manipulate, to get where I wanted to go, to guide people in my, in a, in like a team environment in in the corporate world to inspire people, to get the information I wanted to, um, to, to selfish stuff, for myself personally inside my home you know or so I've kind of come through all of the different aspects of that queen and now like I'm doing things um and I can totally see how I'm still a fucking queen and a half but Mm -hmm. I think that I'm I do it well now like I'm I'm good at running lots of things and guiding people and it comes from a different place it feels really different now yeah that's good yeah I mean it's it takes a lot to be able to keep stuff like that together a lot different areas too you know yeah Not everybody can so everybody we, can do it here we go Sandra's queen story um <laughs> but it's also uh where are we it's interesting like he he Garion goes through and um, is talking about, uh, they start talking about magic and the way they get into it is Sinedra, he's sitting there with a, sitting there with no shirt on and she sees his medallion mm-hmm. and wants to look at it and Garion explains that he, he's not allowed to take it off. Um, but that is, he, you know, he, he uh, Wolf gave it to him, he's not allowed to take it off. There's some sort of spell on it, probably. And then she sort of says, there aren't really any sorcerers. Yeah. And Gary's like, well, Mr. Wolf's 7,000 years old and he knew the god Aldur and I've seen him turn, you know, a tree, a, a twig into a tree and Aunt Paul cured a blind woman with one word and she could turn herself into an owl. And, and then mm-hmm. Sinedra flat out, and this is very tall Nidra. Sinedra flat out says, I don't believe in such things. Mm-hmm. There must be another explanation. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that conversation. I I feel like she's going to be somebody who is going to see it for herself many times before she starts believing. She's going to keep denying it. Like, no, that's <laughs> it's still not real. I don't yeah. care what you say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of shifts into the other aspect when she discovers the mark on his hand yep. too. This is an interesting little bit of ex- exchange, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting cozy and she's like, 
watching him try and straighten his hair with his hand and she says oh come here and let me comb it for you and so you know they're getting a bit touchy-feely she's combing his hair and patting it into place and standing close behind him he's got no shirt on right right and she asks him about the mark on his hand and he just explains he's really honest he just tells them that Aunt Paula doesn't like him to show to anybody that she wants him to do things and keep his hands pretty dirty all the time, which I didn't Mm -hmm. really pick up on, but I guess Mm so. Yep. And she's just kind of wondering, you know, that's strange. And how could you really hide something on your hand like that? Yeah. But she mentions that she has a birthmark over her heart. (laughs) And grabs the neck of her tunic to show him. Right. But, you know, he, he says he'll take her word for it. He's all blushing. But, it's so sweet. He's such a, he's, he's so, to, he's so Sendarian. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was just curious about her birthmark, if it has anything connected. No, I think to... she just wanted to show him her boob. Okay. That's she's what I trying think. to get, she's trying to get a little, um, PG-13 going. <laughs> I think so. A little booby action. Yeah. And um, and then she gets really, she's just so amused by his behavior, his his embarrassment. Um, and then they get into the conversation like, I've never met a boy like, she says, I've never met a boy like you, Garion. And you're not at all like the other boys I've met. And Garion's like, well, they're all Tornedrons probably. I'm a sender or... At least I was raised that way. And so then they get into that conversation about who he is. And Silk says, I'm not a sender. He says he's not sure and he can recognise anyone. And she, he says, your father, like the emperor, thought I was a Reuben. And then mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, well, of course. She's like, you know, takes on this, this authoritative kind of, uh, voice I, I that's the way I hear it in my head you know you're since Lady Polgara and is your aunt and Belgaras your grandfather you're probably a sorcerer yeah what do you think about that I mean I thought she was stating the obvious <laughs> <laughs> and I was surprised that Garion hasn't had that thought yet because <laughs> his reaction is that silly you know, and I liked this. I liked this part though, where he says, "Besides, sorcerers aren't a race. Yes, not like Cherix and Tolnedrans or Revens. It's more like a profession. Yes, like being a lawyer or a merchant. Um, and they're all thousands of years old. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's a good point of why he may not be a sorcerer, but yeah." I mean, we've already seen little clues of the magic he can do. So yes, it's still a possibility in my but head. She hasn't. She hasn't seen anything like that, though. Right. Yeah. So then, then we move into the end of the chapter with her asking if he would like to kiss her. And Garion. it seems like he was seriously considering it. Well, even though he didn't answer. started to pound. And I think, I think he seriously was thinking about that. That might be a very nice thing because then Jernick called. Mm-hmm. From far, from not far away, and for from the text, for one flaming instant, Garion hated his old friend. Right. <laughs> right. That's a good chapter. It's really so, fun. Yeah. 
it lighthearted. Is, yeah, nice chapter. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. And it warms you up to Sunidra a little bit, you know, yeah, not, yes, not just yes. see her as this little snotty girl. Yep, true. So there are soft parts of her and gentle and kind yep. parts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. So That's much needed. Yes. Yeah, so good. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the magic of the chapter. Um, my mind isn't functioning well enough right now to like go in depth and search for magic. So I had to choose the obvious magic, which is the wood that obviously has a magic to itself, whether the Mm -hmm. trees come alive or whatever's going to happen. But I think they'll start seeing a lot of that magic unfold. Okay, cool. Well, mine is that the Heta's herd mindset, that, that reaching out and inclusive of um, him being part of the, the, that thought um, herd of the horses are really... It's an interesting concept because isn't it true that animals don't actually have thoughts? Like they're below thoughts. No, I don't know. Well, I guess, you know what, it comes down to lots of these esoteric kinds of conversations come, a lot of it comes down to the definition that each person in the conversation has for a particular thing. Because what one word means for you, that word will might, will not, might mean something slightly different, but really that difference might be huge. Mm-hmm. And so it's very, I think it's very rare that when people have conversations, they mean exactly the same thing. So what I say and intend for you to understand is not what actually what you hear and understand. So mm. there'll always be these discrepancies. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure I was going somewhere, but I forgot how the conversation started. <laughs> Where did we start? Well, because I was saying that what I've understood is animals live below thought. They don't ever actually get to the point of having thoughts. So it's... I and. Like you watch uh, a flock of birds. Mm-hmm. I think that we've had this conversation before, have we? Anyway, maybe whatever. in a previous life. <laughs> <laughs> like you watch, you watch a flock of starlings or something. They all change direction. Yeah. At right. the same time, there's never a collision. They never bang into each other. They just swim through the air like a school of fish, a flock of birds. There's this instinctiveness in that the mindset. It's like they are organisms of one mind. They are parts of one organism. Like, and I, but I think that we are you and I and your neighbour and your family. We are all parts of right. one organism. Like and our that's... cells are different parts. We have trillions of cells in our body and they're all different parts of this organism. Mm-hmm which is in turn a part of a larger organism. And it turns into this kind of Mm -hmm. fractal universe Mm -hmm. that. Right. Until we get, yeah. (laughs) Until it's to the point where we're all just this one, one big. And so when we, when I I say we are one, that's what I mean. Not, not, not I am you and you are Mm -hmm. me in a Mm -hmm. small sense. We are individuals. I get it. You know, I definitely get it. Yeah. 
I think, but I think too, like that's the whole thing with like you explaining the birds, how they move together. Like they can do that without, they do it so perfectly and easily because they don't have the thoughts that get in the way and like jumble everything. And then they're just misinterpreting like, well, this one told me to go left. And I went, you know, (laughs) they just use their energy. Yes. And so I think, I don't know, it's just me overanalyzing, but I feel like Hetar, when he says he can get into their minds, he's really getting into their energy. Yes, and absolutely. And communicating, he's not, when they say thought, he's not communicating what we would think of as thoughts. He's communicating with their energy level, which yes. is different from ours. Yes. So, so, so yeah, that was my, that's my magic. Hetar's yeah, that's a good mindset. one. I like that. But, but, in the, but that, your magic and my magic in this instance very similar the magical watchful wood different trees one organism watching Mm -hmm. yep i think that's pretty similar magic actually (laughs) it is it is because wherever the source of the magic of the wood comes from that filters out through all those trees there's an awareness a one mind mm-hmm. operating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, now you're getting into my, my deepness that I, <laughs> the journey I've been going on over here Hello. in my own world. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So into the next. Okay. So from uh, the magic, we go into real life. And uh, my real life uh, relating is when Sinead is, is to do with Sinedra's casual nudity and her <laughs> subsequent curiosity about Garion's modesty. Because um, I was brought up in a home where nudity was just like when you didn't have clothes on, it was not a big deal. It's just right. happened and it's not like it's, it wasn't anything special. It wasn't anything weird and it wasn't anything other than the fact you didn't have clothes on. <laughs> and so to to grow up and then meet people where that was uh, like a big deal like you know seeing your parents naked or you know <laughs> that was like oh dread like a really weird I'm like it just like I didn't get it for a yeah. really long time <laughs> right it's funny because I grew up and it was just me and my parents. I'm only child, but both of my parents, and I think it was easier because it was just the three of us too, that they were very private about changing and mm-hmm. showering and all of that. And it wasn't like this huge deal of like, oh, like you can't see us naked, mm-hmm. you know, but they just kind of would, mm-hmm. never talked about it, but they just kept it separate. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think at this point in my life, I don't have a preference either way. Yeah. I don't walk around naked just because no. I'm more comfortable with clothes on. <laughs> but it's interesting you say you make the, the, the differentiation between being a ch- one child in a, with two parents. I'm mm-hmm. like the oldest of five children with two parents. So there right. are like seven people in the house. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. And when it, when it's that many kids, I think it's more normal that someone's going to be running around naked. Someone's going to be naked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that was mine. I, I chose that, that little moment with 
Mr. Wolf and Sinidra talking as they're walking into the wood. Of I forget what they were talking about, but um, she's saying something to him. And he's just kind of like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever. Just be quiet. Oh, when thing. she's talking about being a monster and like, because he's called her a monster and she's like, oh, a monster? Huh. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's being dramatic and he's yes. just kind of, he's just kind of exhaling each time and be like, okay, I should, like almost yeah. like he regretted saying I'm it. I'm sorry. Now he's... Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's that having to deal with somebody that you would rather not deal with, you know? Yeah. But they're there and so you have to deal with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, just reminded me a lot of certain times in my life. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> A little bit of these last two weeks. <laughs> Happy Christmas like I say, to you. Happy I love Christmas my children. To you. <laughs> but I think I think it is though. Growing up an only child, I got so yeah. used to being alone. Um, when I had a, children, that's a deep. It was pattern. a big, big adjustment. Yeah, and I'm still adjusting <laughs> nine years later. Hello, you'll be but, doing that for the rest of your freaking life, woman. <laughs> I know. I know. <sighs> Yeah, okay, fair enough. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now we're up to Prophecy Speaks. did we recorded two weeks ago no idea so we'll just do this week's yeah uh so my question is what will support me in meeting my personal commitment to my job which is writing books mm-hmm. what will support me um because um, my my uh, production needs to up. I my job is writing books. I need to do it every day. I need to. I don't need to. I'm shooting on myself. I want to. This is what I want. I like. I. I there are things I want to do, and in order to do them, I need books written and published. Yeah. So, so yeah. I want to know. And I know, God, I know, listener, sorry, darling listener, this probably gets really boring because we ask the same kinds of questions a lot. But, you know, each time we do, we get a slightly different perspective depending on the space that our heads are in when we ask the question. And it might be, you know, the same thing said in a slightly different way because, you know, we need to hear it. 50 times before we believe it stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. so what will support me in meeting my personal commitment to my job which is writing books and the book that i'm using is called shardic it's by richard adams who is the author of watership down and i haven't read this book just holding it up to the camera i don't know if that's going to come out the right way but it's yeah. another one of those books that comes from the animal's perspective like they are the characters Okay. And I haven't I haven't read it, but it's um I've just found a version in, in English. We've had a Dutch version what? on the bookshelf for ages. But. Which animal is it? 
So the, the, the animal on the cover is a bear. Okay. And um, so it's all of, it's, I think from what Hanuk has told me, they, the other animals of the forest considered the bear to be a god or something like that. Mm-hmm. And his name is Shardik, I think. Okay. So let's see. Oops, cracked the spine. It could surely be no more than a day. Two days at the most, thought Gel Eth- oh, I'm gonna butcher these names. Thought Gel Ethlin to the breaking of the rains. For hours the thundery weather had been growing more and more oppressive while rising gusts of warm wind set the dust swirling over the Beckland Plain. Santa Erkatlis, commander of the Northern Army of Patrol, being taken sick with the heat, had left the column two days previously, returning to the capital by the direct road south and entrusting Gel Ethlin, his second in command, with the task of completing the army's march to Cabin of the Waters, down through Tonilda and thence westward to Vecla itself. This would be a straightforward busyness. <laughs> Sangria, anyone? This would be a straightforward business, a fortification to be repaired here, a few taxes to be collected there, perhaps a dispute or two to be settled, and, of course, the reports to be heard of local spies and agents. None of these matters was likely to be urgent, and since the army was already a day or two behind time for its return to Bekla, Santil Ketlis had told Gel Ethlin to break off as soon as the rains began in earnest and take the most direct route back from wherever he happened to find himself. And high time too, thought Gel Ethlin, standing beside his command banner with the falcon emblem to watch the columns go past. They've marched enough. Half of them are in no sort of condition. The sooner they get back to rain season quarters, the better. If the stagnant water fever hits them now, they'd go down in cursing rows. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So this is talking about a company, an army marching to a purpose in not ideal conditions. And they have been told to break off at a certain point and go back if it doesn't improve and the person in charge thinks the sooner that happens the better because if something worse happened they'd all go down so what i'm getting out of this is steady 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 and the don't that... go into the new plate don't go into anything new mm-hmm. what's what's coming up for you the line that I that latched on to me for what you were asking was to take the direct route, mm-hmm. um, which also is related to you saying study. Yeah. Um, okay, and that think, supports that supports where where my head was going. 
Yeah. I think too, the symbolism of this is a company. Yeah. Meaning a company of people like in, in armies yes. and stuff. But you also are a company yeah. that is God has kindled and yes. you are trying to get somewhere. Yeah. And the way to get there is through steadiness with a direct route. Yes. Which what is the most direct route to writing? writing. <laughs> Sitting down in your chair. And writing. And I think. Yeah. Keep going. Maybe um, if there's some areas of the business side of it, you could let go of to free up more time. Yeah. Because you do have a lot, a lot. And, or I don't know if there's somebody what, where you're able to have somebody help with some of it. Uh, but I think there's probably some stuff you could just let go of if you really assessed it. I think that's To free yourself right. up. And I think I'm getting more to that point where now when I, when a new idea comes in, I don't have the bandwidth to take anything else on to do it properly. Yeah. Not if I want to write. I've got two big projects, which are this podcast and um, a course that is running, that I'm running next year. Right. And that's it. I only have, and, and well, and, and, and I haven't even put in the meditations, the guided meditations that we do regularly. We release one every three months. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just a, a nice reminder because I've, you know, always got things tickling the edges like audio book production and, you know. Yeah, that will, that will come, but first you have to write the books. Yeah, so I think, you know? yes. So I can see the picture of this army just kind of just keep going. And when you've got a large company going in the same direction, you know, that's a lot of things to keep and keep your eye on anyway. So you just keep steady, steady moving. Mm -hmm. and don't take the scenic route just keep going yeah I think that's your answer the steadiness okay sorry no it's not glamorous or anything but no there was nothing glamorous in that reading especially my pronunciation <laughs> of the name sorry <laughs> that's okay I would have done much worse so <laughs> I don't do well with those fancy uh, they, they sound fine uh, in my head when I'm reading I see Flower. She's poking. Oh, hi, Flower. She's like, hi, guys. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> She's getting anxious. She's like, are you almost done? Yeah, we're almost done, sweetheart. Um, okay, so mine. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of related to what I was talking about at the beginning. I'm asking for insight on how to continue through having my awareness be my... Um, my primary way of being, like being the awareness of everything, even as I'm realizing all of the stuff I'm witnessing is kind of just junk that I, I haven't yet been able to, to dissolve or release, but that I know as long as I continue to hold awareness on it, that it will. Mm -hmm. But just insight on how to, to, to stay strong in that awareness through what seems like a never-ending like cycle of thoughts and emotions, I guess. Rand, anything specific? Um, not 
No, it's kind of like everything. There's, yeah, I mean, it's all areas of my life right now are in transition, I feel like. Okay. It sounds like from what you were saying before and what you're saying now, it sounds like you're in a bit of a crucible right in the belly of the cauldron, just getting boiled up. Hmm. Yeah, I feel my, I feel I envisioned it as like I'm in the middle and that's where all of the yuckiness has to be released. You can either choose, like you choose to just continue to like live with it mm -hmm. and let that be your life or you can choose to like um, go through the fire. Mm -hmm. But to do that, you have, you have to be on Sit fire a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's like you, you I can see and this image of you in the cauldron and you need to boil up the metal or the gold or whatever so that all the dross can float to the top and get poured off. Yeah. That takes a lot of heat, baby. Mm -hmm. And this is all like just within myself too, mm. which I know is also what creates my experiences, what's going on inside of me. So... Mm -hmm. It really has to be within myself okay. um, first. So, so you're looking I, for how to just get through this. Yeah, until, not until, but. Just for now. Right. Get through this for now because it's not always going to be this way. Okay. Um, and I have the two towers, Lord of the Rings by Tolkien. Mm -hmm. thought it was fitting because that's the middle of the journey. Oh, I like that. The messy middle. <laughs> and I have the books that have the movie images and it has Eowyn mm. on this book. When I pulled it oh, out. Oh, like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Perfect. Right. Go on. Okay. Things would have gone ill with Sam if he had been alone, but Frodo sprang up and drew Sting from its sheath. With his left hand, he drew back Gollum's head by his thin, lank hair, stretching his long neck and forcing his pale, venomous eyes to stare up at the sky. Let go, Gollum. Oh, let go, Gollum, he said. This is Sting. You've seen it before, once upon a time. Let go, or you will feel it this time. I'll cut your throat. Oh. <clears> throat> Okay, got. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like these giggles just came over me. Um, Gollum collapsed and went as loose <laughs> as a wet string. Sam got up, fingering his shoulder. His eyes smoldered with anger, but he could not avenge himself. His miserable enemy lay groveling on the stones, whimpering. Don't hurt us. Don't let them hurt us, precious. They won't hurt us, will they, nice little hobbitses? We didn't mean no harm, but they jumps on us like cats on poor mices. They did, precious. And we're so lonely. Uh, Gollum sound. <laughs> uh, we'll be nice to them. Very nice. If they'll be nice to us, won't we? Uh, well, what's to be done with it, said Sam. Tie it up. So as it can't come sneaking after us no more, I say. But that would kill us, kill us, whimpered Gollum. Cruel little hobbitses, tie us up in the cold, hard lands and leave us 
Um, no, said Frodo, if we kill him, we must kill him outright, but we can't do that, not as things are. Poor wretch, he has done us no harm. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love this scene. This is one of my favorite scenes in the story. Oh, I just, okay. I was just, okay, that doesn't matter right now. Um, but definitely, uh, Frodo, <laughs> Gollum is, represents, and it's funny that Gollum is this character because he's already got the two sides of the ego and the, the higher self right mm -hmm. and so he represents all of that stuff in me right now yep. that i'm being aware of yep that i'm just kind of like what the mm -hmm. you know how have i lived with this and um and the point where frodo says let go Gollum. this is sting you have seen it before let go or you'll feel it this time i'll cut your throat mm -hmm. um to me that represents like me I am Frodo, me being my mm -hmm. higher self, my awareness, mm -hmm. saying to all of that stuff going on, like, let go. Yeah. Stop holding on to me. You yeah. need to let go or, I mean, there's no threats involved, but it's just time to let go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the whole thing between Sam and Frodo having differing opinions of what to do. Mm -hmm. with it I like um that Sam sees Gollum as a threat that they need to kill it or it will come back and get them but Frodo obviously we know this from the stories is in the right here in my opinion at least others might disagree but and and not killing him outright and saying that he's actually this poor little wretch mm -hmm. And I feel sorry for him, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I've learned to not fight all of this stuff, but to just hold it gently. Yeah. And that's what Frodo does with Gollum till the end, you yeah. know, so. Yeah. I think that good. was kind of perfect. <laughs> Jeez. I just, I just, and you say you. I don't know why I'm giggling. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. You know exactly why you giggle. It was, it was just those words from Frodo. I was like, this is too perfect. Let go. Or I'll cut your throat. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just had this straight visual of me doing that to this some like dark mass of whatever this <laughs> stuff is well that's beautiful vis imagery that's beautiful visualization sweet yeah heart. yeah so i'm gonna hold that image with me for the rest of the day maybe longer okay <laughs> it's good nice Okay, so next chapter prediction, but first let's see what I did last week. I said that they will take Sinedra to the wood of the dryads and we all see some new people in the story and Paul will school Sinedra on the way as to what is to be a princess. No, no and no. Yeah, well, I mean, they did take her into the wood of the dryads. True, that's true. <laughs> you get one point. Um, so next week, I just... I can 
fathom more than this. I put Garion will be extremely flustered, meaning by his interactions with Sinidra mm -hmm. that we left off as they move on to find the dryads and see who they are. Okay. Cool. Ooh, hashtag. So I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking, hmm, what am I thinking? Would you like to see my birthmark? That's good. What do you think? That's a bit long. Um, bath time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bath time. There we go. Bath time. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we're right at the end of the show, darling listener. Thank you for sticking with us this whole time. Um, if you would like to talk about this episode you can hit us up on social media with the hashtag bath time to talk about this specific episode or just throw it into the general conversation because that's fun and um you can leave a voice message for us i will put a link in the show notes uh for the place to click to do that and um just let us know if you do not want your message included in the show um and this week we don't have any new voice messages, which is sad. Um, but Alicia had a lovely exchange with a new with a listener on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. So this was I was telling Sandra before we started recording that this was interesting because this message had been sitting in my Facebook Messenger since I think it was like November eighth. I just found it like three days ago. Uh, I had no idea. I didn't realize Facebook Messenger didn't alert when somebody who you're not friends with messages you it just like kind of hides it away in this place that I never go look I had only gone to look because I'd had a call with someone I knew she was going to be messaging me so I went in and I'm like oh who is this <laughs> so he left this nice message um, and I wanted to share it his name is Alan Mulligan um, he's from Ireland and this is what he had to share about the show. Just wanted to say, I love the Bulgariad. I have read it lots. It is now like an old friend or a comfort blanket for me. Oh, Though, I love that. That's so, yeah. that's so true. That's so true. Yep. Yeah. Though now I see it as a great book for kids rather than adults. I enjoy your podcast on it and I look forward to hearing more of your opinions on it. So Thanks, Alan. Thought, it's nice yeah. to have you. Yeah, we chatted for a little bit after that. I apologize, of course, for taking almost two months to answer. Um, and of course, he has understanding. But um, he seems like a really big fan of the series and he knows it really well. So I'm glad that he's enjoying it. To know somebody who knows it so well mm. is enjoying our podcast. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if you want to get onto us, guys, the best place to uh, make sure your messages get through is to leave a voice message through the link in the show notes or go to the Facebook page, Belgarian and Beyond, and leave a message through there, which I don't know if you actually can, um, or send us an email at, you know, belgarianandbeyond at gmail.com and that way nothing will get lost or you can just put a message like directly onto the Facebook page and that goes into the community section and um, then we'll get an alert that someone said something. 
So, yeah. um, you know, rather than send us individual messages because that stuff can get lost and we don't want to lose you because you're important. And Facebook is tricky as it is. So we all know that it's just getting more and more pleasant to be part of Facebook. So I'll put some really clear um, like um, notes in the show notes for the best places to leave us messages. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad that I made it till the end without any interruptions. Yeah. Alicia is home with her whole family for the Christmas uh -huh. break. And this is a live recording and it's been quiet. I think that yeah. like there needs to be some cookie treats going on. Like you get a cookie yeah. and you get a cookie and you get a cookie because well done kids. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to go out and see what I'm going to walk into. <laughs> well, there Why is always is it that. so quiet? Why is it so quiet? <laughs> oh. So, yeah. And if you, so, right. we're, so yeah, find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram as well. I put some stuff there sometimes. And if you'd like to support the show, if you really like the show and want to support us, go over to Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Belgarian and beyond. And you can join Garion's gang or Paul Gara's flock or silk selection to get some really cool stuff and support the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's exciting to have you guys in there. Yeah. And just get to know you better too. That's yeah. so much fun. Yes. So anyway, mm -hmm. thanks for getting through this show. Happy everything. Happy and I hope this year is full of adventure and magic, everyone. I know it will be for us. So, you know, let's, <laughs> let's all do it together. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be right. in your ears next week, guys. Yep. We'll see you then. Hey, yeah. girl. What's going on with your wrist? <laughs>